Let's go. Hi, this is Michael Waits and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lorenzo Peracchione, a co-founder and the chief operating officer to the COO at Bukukas. Lorenzo, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Michael. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. And thank you so much for having me at Asia Tech Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Look, before we jump into what I think is going to be an amazing show, let's get a little bit of your background for context. Great. And uh, so, um, as you can hear from the, the accent, <laughs> I'm from Italy, uh, but I've been working pretty much all my professional life in, uh, in Asia and specifically Southeast Asia. My first proper job was actually in the early days of Lazada in Indonesia. Uh, I joined one day after the, the website was live. Uh, great learning experience for me. And uh, yeah, I was initially supposed to, to stick around for only six to 12 months. Uh, but then I uh, really got in love with the, I think the dynamic atmosphere of the region, uh, I think very, very different. There are a lot of things moving very fast. Uh, and, and, and that was the, the start. Post Lazada, um, I then moved to Thailand to help launch, uh, to launch actually from scratch, uh, the market for a cosmetics e-commerce startup called Laxola, uh, was Singapore based and, uh, Alexa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Alexis, yeah, she's been good mentor, friend for for several years, and actually, a lot of my subsequent journey was uh, was encouraged and uh, and uh, enabled by her. So amazing, amazing founder, amazing, super nice person, and yeah. So she gave me the opportunity to to have that from scratch experience that that I was looking for at a scale that was obviously now smaller than. Lazada and very different because Lazada was my first uh, first experience and uh, and now I already had way more understanding of uh, how a startup develops. Then I spent a couple of years in Thailand, uh, built a team that uh, reached around 40, 50 people and, and the company got acquired by Sephora, uh, the large cosmetics retailer. And um, the vision for Sephora was to essentially onboard a team and and a, a company with very solid uh, digital competencies and SEA competencies. Up until then, um, Sephora only had physical stores in the region. So, so we became the Sephora uh, digital arm for Asia, excluding China region. And uh, that gave me the opportunity to, to move to Singapore to the regional office with the mission to shift the company's focus for, from desktop first to mobile first very interesting learning experience for me because i i had never been in in thailand that i had seen pretty much all business functions but not uh product engineering and and this gave me the opportunity to to build a product management and, um, and work very closely with engineering team for mobile and then uh, also build the mobile marketing function so like a very important experience for me, uh, getting me close and passionate about the, the technology side of things. And it was also very exciting, it was a very, very successful uh, project. Um, in one was, Once we launched the apps in a bit over a year, uh, we went from 25 to 75% uh, mobile share right uh, the company. So, so and it was that time where apps were exploding in, in, in the market. So uh, super, super exciting project. And post that, I 
took care uh, of the whole uh, PNL for for the region for Sephora for the e-commerce uh, arm of Sephora. Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, in that time we also entered Hong Kong and, and South Korea, so a couple of launches. And yeah, it was a five-year top cycle in in uh, in the cosmetics industry. And the environment that I was operating at changed a lot from obviously very early stage in startup to to much more stable in the last part. Very clear focus on on the profitability side of things. Uh, but at the end of it, I was really itching to to go back to uh, to the startup craziness, <laughs> and, and that was it's very different, yeah. Yeah, yeah, super super different. And uh, and I mean, it was a matter also of timing. So. At that time, I was thinking options, and uh, and my co-founder Krishnan, who, who actually I've known since the Lazada time, came to me with the the idea of uh, of Bukukas, and uh, and and that's where where my current and and last journey started. This was uh, mid twenty nineteen when we started talking about it. You know, Lorenzo, and, when um. When I saw your name in print in the story about you guys raising money this year twice, and we'll get to that at the end of this conversation, I just something in my brain clicked. I'm like, Lorenzo Pedacchione, I definitely know this guy from somewhere, and I know it's not summer camp. Do you know what I mean? Like, I knew it was from somewhere, and I wasn't sure where. And as soon as you mentioned, as soon as you mentioned Alexis, because I've known Alexis forever, right? It, at some point, Ardent Capital, where I was a limited partner, was did deep due diligence on on Luxola. Yeah, yeah, this was yeah. before you may remember. I am actually pretty sure that you and I met in person on Duxton Street in Singapore at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But definitely, I, I also recall we met and, and heard, I mean, a lot about you. So, uh, but yeah, then then in, we hadn't been in touch. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a small world in the, in the region so to it say, is. When, when it comes to digital. It's super to have you here. Look, how did you meet you said Krishnan, Krishna, Krishnan. How did you meet your co-founder? Is he? He's not Indonesian, right? Uh, yeah. So a very, I mean, interesting story. Tell so me. Krishnan, he he's from India, yep. um, and and he was one of my very first interns at uh, at Lazada. I mean, the the first people I had the the pleasure to to manage and uh, to work with. That's awesome. Uh, as, a, as a learning manager and. Uh, I uh, was struck by the fire that that this guy had, and and we became super good friends uh, since 2012. And and actually, already in 2013, I mean, we we went close a couple of times to uh, starting a business together. So we we had this thing, uh, and then actually he went on after one a couple of experiences uh, uh, outside Indonesia. Then he he went back to Indonesia, founded his own. Uh, Commerce furniture business Fabelio, which is leading kind of in the, in, the, in that segment, and at that time what was basically moving out of of Fabelio and uh, I remember that as well. Yeah, yeah. So that, that when I was saying it was a matter of timing. I mean, a mix of timing in the sense that uh, uh, Christian and I, I think, besides the the friendship, there is between us that incredible level of trust, but also. We are super different profiles. I mean, we couldn't be more different than in. Uh, I mean, in uh, <laughs> I guess uh, I mean, definitely on the, on approach to uh, to to business to to professional life, but also personality. So he's the if you look at in the company, he's the um, he's the visionary that 
can see uh, very, very far ahead and uh, absorb many different influences from uh, from the outside world and, and, right. and then build this vision, basically fire up everyone around him around the, the, the vision. And I'm a bit more the the grounded guy that takes care about, uh, you know, making sure we stay focused, we execute, <laughs> we have good processes, so a bit more in, internal look. Then obviously in a startup early stage, uh, I mean, people, founders collaborate a lot and overlap a lot. And uh, and then we have more functional uh, areas of expertise. But I think it's really the what makes us a great team is this very different personalities and we, we balance each other. And uh, and obviously many, many situations where we start with uh, points of view that are quite different. Yeah. But then we can be very direct uh, because of the trust and the relationship that we have. And... Uh, and normally the, the final outcome is a, is a, is a good one. So I, I think it's awesome that there's an Italian guy and an Indian guy in Indonesia building a business that's meant to sort of digitize what essentially turns up to be what, like 60% of GDP in, in Indonesia, which is sort of digitizing the small and medium-sized enterprises there, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Can you tell me when you went and you looked around and you you started looking at data on these SMEs? So the opportunity, I mean, started again in line with the personality comment that I made. Uh, Krishnan, Krishnan once uh, was the, the guy that had the initial spark and idea, and and he came to to Singapore back in those time, telling me, "I think I want to build a bank." And uh, at first, I thought I was a little crazy, uh, but then we we started discussing more and more seriously. And originally, there was this element of financial inclusion and and lack of uh, digitization of uh, good digitization of financial services then the the SME discussion came as we started to to dig deeper because we wanted to we were looking at what what's the segment that that could be more relevant i mean we we obviously and soon discovered this massive gap and this massive relevance of SME in Indonesia uh, so you look at Indonesia, you have 60 million small and medium enterprises, it includes the micro as well, yep. which is massive number. If you look at especially the, let's say the bottom 90%, so excluding maybe the medium sized players, they have been a little left out from the digital revolution that has been happening, not just on the financial side of things, but in general. So they, they lack. Uh, business and financial solutions that are tailored to to their needs, uh, mm-hmm. compared instead to uh, the consumer market that in Indonesia has been digitizing super fast in, right. the, in the last ten years, as well as uh, the more let's call it enter- enterprise. Yeah, and 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 then that's basically yeah. So in a, in one sentence, what what we do at Bukukas is uh, is this. So we 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 want to we provide uh, simple but effective uh, business solutions, uh, software solutions for small enterprises in, uh, in Indonesia. And, uh, and I mean, that, that, that initial angle of the finance angle is, is still very much there. But obviously, when you think I want to build a bank is not a process that <laughs> where the bank is the starting point. So, so from there, there was all there was a very deep field research project that we did. I mean, we we got on board a few very motivated guys and back then luckily was still not COVID. So running around talking to merchants and, and trying to understand, okay, where, where should we start? 
and uh, and and that the bookkeeping came which was our first step came came up there um what yeah. analyzing the problems of of these merchants and one um there were a couple of very uh obvious uh problems and the the first one was the businesses don't have a clear visibility of their performance even when it comes to basic numbers uh sales profit uh what is my receivable uh what's my cash flow gonna be um that was one side that the second was the managing the cash cash cycle uh, especially when when there is a credit element involved and and so we we took it if if we are to help these businesses grow and and uh, improve through digital the, the first step is obviously they, they need to know how how their business is doing otherwise how can a businessman make good decision right and uh, and, and and that was one is knowing the second was also besides the, the knowing where the send is, is just how tedious and how time consuming um doing those let's say internal financial operation activities is uh, because if you look at indonesia Indonesia is an extremely entrepreneurial culture. Uh, you see, it's very typical for people in uh, local communities to have two, three businesses. And it's very locally driven. So where the, these businesses are really the, the backbone of their communities. Uh, and yeah, there is this element of creativity and passion where people, I mean, are not afraid to try. I compare it a bit to Italy. I mean, in Italy, launching a, a company, I think, there's so many constraints and uh, I think the mentality is you will really need to be uh, brave and determined and clear about what you want to do uh, to launch a company. Whereas here in Indonesia, I feel people just try, give it a try. And then if it works fine, if not, I'll try, I'll try something else. What was it like? What was it like when you went to some of these SMEs, even the ones inside Jakarta, but the ones outside for sure and said, we can help you digitize did they even understand you know what i mean did they understand the necessity for having that initial bookkeeping function like you said particularly if there's credit involved how mm -hmm. to manage that stuff and did they realize that if you help them digitize it that their businesses like you said if they're running three of them could become more efficient and then could actually make more money or is that a hard sell at first because you haven't even been doing it for that long and you seem to have been made quite a lot of progress yeah yeah so um in, in this massive population, of course, there are segments that are more receptive and uh, obviously younger demographic resonate much more with the concept. And the, the thing is, uh, in Indonesia, when it comes to mobile and, and our products at the moment are, are mobile only or might expand later on, but people are very much mobile from day to day consumption habits from, I don't know, where they read content, social media. Right. So, so even even for people in tier two, tier three, let's say within certain demographic, let's say under 40, under 45, let's say a smartphone is not not a new or... Uh, right, it's not, a, it's not a foreign thing for them. Yeah. For them. Uh, I guess it was obviously the, the simplicity aspect. It, it was clear from early days that two things, I think. One is... The product would need product whatever the solution is would need to be simple enough for uh, not to have a lot of learning costs uh, for for the person uh, and second is the product should be framed in a language or in a in a structure that 
talks in the way that the, the businessman on the street would think right. uh, so in a very concrete way, as opposed to gap principle, accounting terminologies and, and, and all of that. I mean, when, right. when explained in those layman terms, they, they definitely did understand what, what the product we wanted to build was aiming and doing. And, and they were very much about, okay, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. And you guys have not been around that long, right? But what do you think drives the success? Is it the simplicity of the product? And how many people are using it? Or how many businesses are using it right now? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the, the simplicity was was obviously, I think, at the core of, of the, the initial success in the year. So we launched in uh, December 2019, uh, the first product, Bukukas, uh, December 2019. Um, and then... Uh, we have more recently in October 2020 a second product called Toko that that helps them, uh, and we can maybe expand a little more uh, on, on why yeah, why these products, but helps businessmen uh, sell on on social commerce in a more structured way. But so combined today, the two platforms have around uh, uh, three million monthly active users. So in a bit over a year and a half, very explosive growth. I think a function of a, of a couple of factors. One is Time back to your question before. I think, and and with COVID, there's definitely been an acceleration of a trend that was already there. But but there is a demand and there is a desire to try digital solution that and and I believe that it's time or let's say for, for a good chunk of the the people they they think if I don't go digital or I don't at least try I might be left out. And so that demand and and was was definitely there. And we would see when when we launch our first digital ads. And I mean, I was with Sephora before. That is one of the most engaging, you know, retail brand uh, retail players. And the the number of comments that you would have when we did a Bukukas ad on simplifying bookkeeping, saving time. The engagement that we saw in those ads and in terms of people asking, okay, what is this? How does it work? It was so crazy that clearly once we, we launched those ads, we understood, okay, we are onto something. And uh, and the other part was definitely the simplicity of the product. The third was a choice that we did in terms of what what approach to use to, for market entry. So we, we, we used a distribution first approach where we consciously chose not to monetize at the beginning. To, to be able instead to acquire uh, fast, uh, a very large uh, user base. And, and so this, this, the combination of these three, I think, is behind the, the, the traction in, in this last uh, year, year and a half that, that has been quite... Uh, I mean, if you ask me when we started, where would you be in, <laughs> in a year and a half, I would have probably not... I don't think our initial estimates were, were as, as ambitious. Although we are we like we are pretty ambitious people, right? Yeah, but still, like three three million out of sixty is five percent. So it's a lot of people on the platform. Yeah. What exactly is Toco? That's a name I think that most people haven't heard yet. Bukukas, obviously, people have heard of. What is Toco? You said. Yeah, Toco is it's, it's a new product, and uh, in a way, we haven't really publicly pushed, made let's say make very big push around it because the it was a new product, and then we were still validating exactly through the, the first few months of the product validating what are the segments that this product like this can resonate best most and uh, best, most with and uh, so essentially helps um, 
merchants sell on social commerce in, yep. in a more effective way. And uh, what okay. does this mean in practice? So let's maybe uh, start back from why did we decide to do this thing? Right. Uh, so we asked our Bukukas merchant, why do you like Bukukas? And, and one of the dominant answers was it saves me a lot of time. And, and we asked them, okay, why, what do you do with that time? And, and yeah, this dominant answer was more and more, I'm selling, I, I'm trying to promote my products online. And aside of obviously marketplaces like uh, Shopee, Tokopedia, uh, stuff like that, yeah. Again, it's a functional size, uh, but there was a big, big chunk of uh, merchant that would either only or also sell through uh, WhatsApp and, uh, and Instagram. Typically, uh, WhatsApp becomes the, let's say, conversational commerce platform where people would sell to initially to maybe their friends, families, and then when they are successful, they start expanding to neighborhoods and then the whole city. And and then Instagram is is a more the let's say the catalog. Uh, but obviously, the minute someone starts becoming a bit more successful, it's a bit of a ticking bomb in operationally and in terms of right. how to manage their uh, their business. And so, basically, the idea is to plug or ride on this existing behavior and give the merchant the tool to uh, set up their own, their very own simple online shop that can be uh, complemented with a set of uh, tools that then help the merchant manage their e-commerce cycle on social end to end from creating the content that uh, would help them, I mean, promote their products uh, from product content, promotion and so on that then can be shared through the channels that, that today's are there. So, I mean, the, their WhatsApp in the form of CRM or right. um, their social. And then once they can, they can essentially obtain orders uh, and uh, process the order through an order management platform that eventually will allow them again to manage end-to-end -end, uh, the cycle. So the, the way we see Toco is really for us, if you is a bit what Shopify became uh, for uh, the Western world, so that the new wave of e-commerce uh, alongside Amazon, there is the the other approach, which is uh, give the merchant the tool and let them more democratically and more in control of their brand, their customer base, develop their small business. Uh, and we want to do the same for uh, with obviously certain adaptations that are required for, for Indonesia and who knows later potentially or even beyond, beyond right. Indonesia. Does Toko have a meaning in Bahasa because Tokopedia is also a marketplace, right? Does it, does it mean sales or store or something? Uh, it means store. store. So it's a shop, shop basically. And uh, yeah, we, um, we chose the, the word, the word to be simple and memorable and to, to, to recall that essentially it's your, it's your story. Sure. Yeah. And what was the uptake of this like? I mean, you, that must have people. This must have spread like wildfire, right? Because this is a it's like a paradigm change for the way that they can get business done. Again, gives them the ability to scale outside their family, outside their friends, and outside their neighborhood into the whole country, basically. Yeah. 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 The, so actually, the, the even the, the traction of Topo was was incredible. More in six months, we got one point three million shop created. It's definitely incredible demand for for the solution uh we're still in a phase where the more we understood what the merchants of the platform do and uh, and which merchants are more uh 
uh, receptive and successful. Right. That that also changed a little bit our idea of how to move forward. Um, and but definitely, yeah, super super promising, and we, we definitely believe that that there is a big room for for this new wave. The big difference is, is obviously when it comes to Bukukas, the there is not a direct measure of of what makes the product successful meaning it's about efficiency uh, later on it, it will be about i mean improving your cash flow but but it's in, in a way and maybe i don't know what i'm saying because <laughs> i've been doing e-commerce for so long but but in toko to the extent that you can have, help the merchant make more more revenue more orders then you have a very clear indication is, is the product doing what what it's supposed to to do so how do you, again, as an Italian person and Krishnan as an Indian person, how do you stay connected to these local merchants who may not be that international, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like how big is your team that actually goes out and talks to them and says, what kind of features do you want? How can we help facilitate your social selling? How can we build an infrastructure around it so that it is more structured, the word you yeah. used, yeah, in a way that's good for them, yeah? It's probably the most exciting and most challenging part compared to all the experiences that I had before. Because from day one, I mean, we realized the merchants are so different than us personally, and and they would be different even even if we were local. You know, normally it's big typical profile. Let's say Jakarta graduate. Uh, uh, professionally, even then, it's challenging. Uh, obviously, for us, there is the the language barrier too, and I mean, although we have been living in Indonesia, uh, working in the Indonesia market, let's say, I think we we, we do speak uh, in Indonesia to a certain extent, but not not at the level that a right, top right, researcher right. would do. Uh, but but so we, it was a clear, I mean, even when it comes to our company value, we we talk about customer obsession, and I mean, it's a value that I mean almost every company would tell you that they have, but. For us, it's more, I look at it as an aspirational thing. I think we it's so difficult and that's where we, since day one, we invested a lot of resources. Um, we had a field research team on the ground uh, since before the company launched, right. uh, as I mentioned. Uh, that team has expanded. and uh, and But then, I mean, we also seem very soon realized, because the merchant is limited to to your customer service and research team, that doesn't work still. So, right, right. I mean, for us, pretty much every every team in the company or most of the team talk directly to customers uh, on a on a weekly basis. Obviously, we're trying to balance in each team, making sure that there there are strong local Indonesian talent that can lead those discussions, but also a bit of use of technology. For instance, now a lot of it happen through zoom calls because face-to-face is not so possible so real-time translation and and definitely make it a point that that everyone at management level should be assist to those to a certain number of user calls uh, on a weekly basis look one of the things you said earlier was that your co-founder's original idea was and this is kind of awesome was i want to start a bank i want to build a bank yeah. And now that you've been at this for 18 months and now that you've basically providing bookkeeping and selling and a whole bunch of other services to mm-hmm. who knows three point, let's just call it three point something million people and businesses mm-hmm. in a way, maybe it does make sense now to expand into digital banking or just provide financial services to them at scale. Right. Because 
if they didn't understand bookkeeping or if they didn't have access to sort of digital bookkeeping, they probably didn't have access to digital banking either. And if you can combine those things, then you could, should be able to build something transformational, no? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very on point. <laughs> and actually, we we have been more, definitely more concretely starting to to work on that. And and indeed, in um, in April, we we launched digital payments on on the Bookpass platform, uh, where the payments integrates with the bookkeeping flow, and as such, makes everything more uh, the the whole activity of managing payments and recording those those transactions becomes uh, more and more integrated and and payments for us we see it as a first step towards building our financial financial vision in a way you go one level of trust is i'm entering a transaction then sure. completely different level is making your payment flow through a platform either receiving that, that money or, or sending and then obviously the the when you go into financial services, that they're even a bigger one when it comes to at some point leaving your savings uh, with some company, and and so I mean the payments is uh, very very fresh, very new, but there we saw we saw very very good results, and at the same time, yeah, we were starting very concretely to to make our plans for what yeah the, the what let's call it the banking vision, which uh, um, I mean. It, 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 it's going to take a while and, and it's going to be a collection of, of different services. I think now we're, we're very much at the stage where, where we're exploring and, and defining what the vision and, uh, will, will be. Uh, and then unfortunately, <laughs> given how competitive also the sector is, yeah, I, I, I won't be able to disclose too much around that, but, but definitely. <laughs> well, I can, it, I, can, I can say whatever I want, right? I don't know anything, but here's what yeah. I see. Let me tell you what I see, okay? You have mm -hmm. three point something million people. Maybe by the end of 2021, you'll have five million. Let's just call them SMEs on the platform at some level where they're using mm -hmm. a combination of Toco and Bukukas or just one or the other of those services. But yeah. if you build payments in, right? Now, payments itself is not a very profitable business. Margins are really thin. Yeah. It's not that hard to build. But now you're controlling the money flow. And again, yeah. tell me where I go wrong here. Now, two things come into play. One is you can start... The thing about the banking business, and I'm going to introduce insurance in a second, is that they're both heavily regulated. So to participate in those mm -hmm. businesses, you have to have licenses. To participate in the, yeah. I provide you bookkeeping, bookkeeping service business, you don't need a license for anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. now if you run a banking business and you have 5 million people on a platform, you can now start making SME loans at preferential rates for people that already use your services. But on top of that, you can also provide them insurance and parametric insurance where the margins are huge, 30, 40%. And now you're talking about a multi-billion dollar company potentially. And that's just in Indonesia. You haven't introduced moving to Vietnam and moving to the Philippines and moving to Thailand, where if you look at GDP provided by SMEs, it's 45% in Thailand, 40% in Vietnam. 36% in the Philippines and 63% of people that are employed in the Philippines are employed in SMEs. So there's a massive opportunity no? for all these things that I'm talking about, integrating them all together, using the Trojan horse really of Bukukas and Toko to get them on the platform. Am I missing something? I think you, you definitely analyze the, the market dynamics and, uh, and I think the sector dynamics uh, <laughs> pretty well and uh, and yeah we do see financial services as being eventually what will enable us to to become a big 
and profitable business uh, right. down the road. Um, we also foresee, obviously, not everybody in that huge user base that we have will be ready or or eligible for 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 certain type of services. But at the same time, having those people in the platform, on the one hand, I mean, we are very much happy that they still find value, uh, and we are we are helping them do their business better. But also, they give us uh, such a rich amount of data that that can be helpful for for us to administer those uh, those services to those users that that uh, that will be. Uh, eligible and and so yeah very much that was in line also with the the distribution first approach is was because the the problem is that if you build a banking banking business the traditional way uh, then you're your and then going back to the the licensing piece I think obviously the ultimate level of to operate in the space is you you have a banking license or or you you buy a banking license which by the way in indonesia is, a, is something possible contrary for instance to other countries where it would be from a legal point of view completely impossible that said is it easy no. <laughs> definitely not and uh, none of what you're doing is easy right i mean yeah yeah definitely we, we i mean i spoke with Krishnan and say if it's we wanted to do something that 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 has an impact, and if we hopefully if we do it well, we'll will really transform the market where that we are trying to to help. But at the same time, I mean, there is a path. There is a path of where the regulatory system allows collaborations, and I think very much the fact that we do have a user base that that is very engaged, and and we have data for puts us also in a position to 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 hopefully. Be part of the ecosystem and and create this new vision of financial services, not as a you know in our ivory tower, but working with with other uh, businesses that that could come both from the more traditional financial services or or or, or more let's call it fintech and and try together to to change the way uh, financial services is provided. Because if you look at business banking in in, in Indonesia, I mean we we see it, we are definitely I mean, not, not not already pretty big in terms of uh, uh, account and uh, number of transfers, and then and, and we have a we have a finance team. But even for for companies that are a bit bigger, it's so painful to to do things that I don't know in Singapore or other for the matter uh, or Western world are already much more optimized, both in terms of how easy the process flow is, as well as um, the level of, let's call it fairness in 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 the pricing of obtaining a certain uh, service. So right, let me just so let me make a point, and I want to talk about this before I let you go. But in January, your team announced a raise of ten million dollars, and then around announced another raise of fifty in May. And I want to make an equivalency, particularly when you talk about financial services. You know, one of your indirectly related colleagues, right? Um, Claudia Colonis and her firm, Pluang, raised $20 million as well in a Series B led by OpenSpace. And there's a sense that there is, I don't want to say underbanked because it feels a little trite, but providing these sort of unique financial services to people that haven't had access to them Mm -hmm. is a thing in Indonesia. Like it's a thing. And with 270 million people, and like you said, 60, what do you say, 60 million SMEs, it's a massive market to, to do that. And yeah. if you partner with the right people, I mean, I recommend you do it on your own, but I'll leave that up to you. But there is a way to do this that builds a really gigantic business, yeah? 
Yeah, that, I mean, we definitely believe that. And uh, obviously, I mean, I think to the extent that one can has the competencies or can build the competencies, obviously, I think it, it's a space where we want to definitely not just become a Spider-Man in the middle or uh, an aggregator of sorts. We would definitely want to go deeper thing, into yeah. some verticals, but, yep. but sort of being obviously conscious of, yeah, I mean, the, I think there is a, there is a long-term vision and uh, and then we need to find a way to also prove that, that what we want to do can can add value and, and work uh, and we need to get there pretty pretty fast yeah so it's it's that balance between is it what what's what's your time to market to prove at the end of the day for us we see it's very simple for us we think if we can make the merchant successful we as a company will be successful so it's a uh, we're very much focused on that, and and then with your to your point of the sector being hot, I mean definitely I agree that there is there is a lot of attention on and and interestingly not and I mean I compare it to just a few years back, I think attention now is coming not just from local um, funds or more let's say the, the japanese or or chinese let's say more more asia focused type of investor but but very much also from uh, us and european investor which is something where i feel up until a few years ago was was still still a struggle to to attract capital from yeah the world is noticing for sure yeah okay Look, I mean, there's so much more to talk about, and I think what we should do is maybe in six months get Krishnan to come on the show, and or maybe both of you to come on and talk about how now there are 10 million people on the platform as opposed to just five. But Lorenzo Perricchione, I want to thank you so much, a co-founder and the CEO at Bukukas. Thank good, you, Michael. Good luck, uh, man. Keep up pleasure. those good work. Yeah, time flew. Uh, felt like it was just 15 minutes, but yeah, it was a big pleasure and uh, yeah, very, very interesting to, to, to discuss with you and, uh, and share ideas. And uh, I think what, what I think is for, for me a very exciting uh, stage in, uh, yeah. in, in the region, in Indonesia, and also for us as a company. And uh, yeah, so very, very excited to, definitely happy to, to take the invitation and see, see where we stand in uh, six or nine months. Probably a lot, a lot, lot of things, new things to say. Awesome. Okay. Thank you again for doing this. Thank you.